Welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hurritson. Today, we're going to break down every single week 16 game. Happy Championship Week, everybody. We have finally made it. 15 weeks up, 15 weeks down. If you're in 12-team league, there are only two teams alive. 10-teams league, only two teams alive. It doesn't matter how many teams are in your league. There are only two teams alive, unless you're in one of those weird point-scoring leagues. That is besides the point. We are here to try to get us through that last week. Get us to that championship glory that we've been chasing ever since week one. I could not be happy to have a guest beside me to help accomplish that goal and that is Joy McFarlane you guys all know him context matters on Twitter hey look guys Dwayne's been here every other week all season long helping you get to this point and he is back for one last hurrah Dwayne thank you as always for coming on man happy week 16 yeah man I cannot believe it's week 16 but looking forward to it um I have plenty of my own teams that I'm really hoping win so uh, happy to try to help out everybody else as well. I know this is that time of the season where people just tend to get tired head, but man, you got to grind it out one more week in one more week. That's what we're here for. I was really feeling sluggish last week, man. It was getting rough. And then Des Bryant caught that touchdown Sunday and I'm back. <laughs> I'm back, baby. Threw up the X and you were ready. Feels like it's week eight (laughs) all over again. So without further ado, let's get at it. We got one Friday game and we got three Saturday games. So funky week here going on. But starting off with the Vikings at the Saints. Saints open at six and a half point favorites. Game total of 53 down to about 51 and a half. So looking at the Vikings side of the ball first, I want to give some love to Adam Thielen because Justin Jefferson has rightfully stolen away a bunch of the headlines. One of the best rookie receivers we've seen in recent memory. The guy is awesome. And Dalvin Cook, he's freaking Dalvin Cook going off this year anyone's idea of a top three running back in real life and fancy i get it don't be sleeping and don't be hating on adam Thielen though 13 touchdowns this season i mean i understand 49 yards per game that's below what we saw in through 2016 and 2018 alike i don't even think it's insane to call justin jefferson the best wide receiver in minnesota moving forward but give Thielen some credit for all these points i mean this is something that doesn't happen very often if he can just find his way into the end zone two more times this year he's gonna become just a seventh wide receiver with 15 receiving touchdowns in a season since 2010. So maybe Devontae is going to join that. He most likely will. He's already at 14. But truly, there's only seven other wide receivers that have done it. 2014, Dez. 2011, Megatron. 2010, Dwayne Bowe. That's a nice trivia one right there. 2018, Antonio Brown. 2020, Tyreek Hill. And 2011, Jordy Nelson. 2020, Adam Thielen was about to be there on the list. We've been telling you since the offseason. Again, this was our, you know, wide receiver six going in this year. There just wasn't enough available targets, or there were too many available targets for Thielen to bust. That has turned out to be the case. Jefferson, Thielen, both upside wide receiver twos in the spot. You know what you're doing with Dalvin Cook. Kirk Cousins is always an upside QB2 streamer. But don't forget about the guy out there scoring 13 touchdowns. Points win football games. Adam Thielen has contributed plenty of points to the Minnesota Vikings all season long. Dwayne, Drew Brees was back last week. Didn't go so well. Yeah, yeah, man. It was a bit of a struggle. But I think the biggest thing, you know, if you're in fantasy and you're in championships, a lot of you own Alvin Kamara. And two weeks ago, we were in full-on panic mode after one, one, and three targets. Now, in the last two games, we've seen 10 and five. You know, the, the week before was with Taysom under center, but obviously in a trailing game script, they had to get the passing game going. So we saw Kamara get actively involved. Last week, not quite to where we would want it to be, but he still had five targets. So I think he could easily be back in that seven to nine range. So if you've managed to get, you know, through the rough patch with Kamara, still make it to your championship game, or you're just looking at him on DFS, I think, you know, we'll be back to normal Kamara. 
um, heading into this weekend. You know, it's a matchup where I see, you know, Minnesota, like you said, they've got an offense, they can score points. So I expect this to be a game that probably, you know, pushes towards, you know, the over on what we have here. And I don't know that, you know, it'll be as big of a win. You know, I think right now they got New Orleans by seven and a half. So um, yeah, I'm all over Kamara this weekend. The one other guy, you know, just to remember is Emmanuel Sanders. And it's basically because everybody else is hurt. We don't know if Traquan Smith is going to play. We know Michael Thomas is out for the, at least until the playoffs. Um, Jared Cook's only on the field for 60 to 65% of the routes. So Emmanuel Sanders did, you know, he had some mojo early on in the season with Drew Brees. Hasn't been there over the last few weeks. Obviously, Brees is just now coming back. Um, Sanders, though, has been up in the 90 and, you know, high 70% routes run um, range, which is enough, you know, whenever you're on an offense like this, if they decide to funnel some things, um, you know, I, I could see Sanders end up, you know, eight to 10 targets. So if you're in a larger league, you know, and you're just, you really need, you know, something and there's, and you just feel like, man, maybe you've got an injury or whatever the case may be. Just, just think about Sanders. He may be sitting out there on the wire. So those would be the two I would talk about. Good points all around. Next matchup, we got the Buccaneers at the Lions. Tampa Bay opening up at seven and a half point favorites, up to nine and a half game total, holding steady at 54. So, TB12, the deep ball is back, ladies and gentlemen. Mostly gentlemen, I'm assuming. Haven't tried, haven't quite dove into those demographics, but you could imagine. Weeks one through four, Tom Brady, 13 for 24 on passes, done at least 20 yards downfield. That, that was good for a 55% completion rate. Weeks five through 11, that was when it was at the top of the news. You know, my only fit five for 34, 15% completion rate, had a real long stretch. Where I think it was only one for 18 or 19 weeks 12 through 15 though everybody he is back nine for 16 56 percent completion rate he looks good it's never been a neuter arm situa- situation seemed like more of a timing issue coming out of their bye against the vikings we were hoping for that explosion to happen it didn't because he only threw the ball 23 times it was looking pretty freaking iffy last week in the first 30 minutes of the game with the falcons holding a 17 nothing lead nope only way to piss off tom brady to you know just herculean amounts is to be the falcons and hold you know a three-score lead over tom brady he came roaring back you know bombed the ab numerous just tight window throws to Mike Evans that look fantastic. Brady and this Buccaneers offense don't look now. They might just be peaking as they're entering the playoffs. So they got the Lions this week, the uh, Falcons again next week, two more matchups to try to help line things up and just a completely wide open NFC. I mean, you know, this is just such a smash ball for the entire passing game. Lions, look, I mean, we can give you a million stats about how bad they are, but I think the biggest one, 29th ranked defense in pass rush in, in terms of their pressure rate. So Brady's got all day to throw and as we saw last week when he has this time against a bad defense, Goblin ab evans you can all fire them up leonard fournette look how many running back we, we can sit here for the next you know 30 minutes and name running backs we would rather have on our teams getting these touches right now fournette is the guy getting those touches uh, again a prime matchup we did not know last week if fournette was going to seamlessly slide into that rojo role it's been a confusing backfield really for the better part of the past two years that's what happened we got to trust him moving forward he is going to be a touchdown dependent borderline rb1 i think i'll probably find you know 12 14 guys to rank in front of him but leonard fournette goblin ab Evans, Brady, shove all these guys in fantasy football lineups of all shapes and sizes. This is a massive smash spot. Go back to well with Tampa. Dwayne, Matthew Stafford, playing through the rib injury. Not, you know, looking great, though, for everyone except DeAndre Swift. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing with the – I think we actually touched on this last time on the show. I think I had the Lions as one of my teams. Um, what's saving you in a fantasy perspective is just everything's condensed. I mean, it's Swift and Jones – and Hawkinson. Now Hawkinson, you know, had a bad week this last week, but before that, you know, he was seeing seven and eight targets pretty much every single week. But I mean, it's all going to Marvin Jones. If you look at Marvin Jones, he's got, uh, you know, a plus 2.9 matchup this week. So that's pretty good. The Bucks aren't where they were before. I mean, he's got 663 air yards over the last four weeks, four end zone targets in that period. And he's got 15 targets of 20 plus yards or more 
in that period. That's insane. So even though Stafford's hurt, they're still flinging it. They're pushing it down the field. I was like, when I first saw that stat, I was just like, 15 targets over 20 yards in four weeks. Like, is that even possible? Yes, it's possible. And they're feeding Marvin Jones down the field. So I think you can, he's, he's man. And obviously um, I think Carlton Davis is still on the injury report. We don't know if he's going to play this week. Obviously that hurts Tampa. The safety Jordan Whitehead's also hurt. So I can see Jones still putting up wide receiver two numbers. He has wide receiver one upside. I think still this week, a lot of man coverage from Tampa. So if you do get loose on a guy, you can score a touchdown, right? Because they are willing to be very aggressive up front. And then, like you said, DeAndre Swift, man, um, just finally getting back to where it's like, you know, we had hit rewind. Like he got there in week 10. Then, you know, we had the concussion, you know, we had, uh, you know, missed a week with illness. And it's just like, it was like the timing was the worst. But if you did manage to make it this far, or if you're just a DFS player, obviously Swift's a great guy running back seven last week in a PPR. Um, he had his second highest utilization since week 10. So everything really does appear to be back on track. Like you said, the Bucks are favored by, you know, 10 points on this, or I think it might be at nine and a half now, but they're heavily favored. So I, I see this being a game, you know, where Stafford's going to have to continue to drop back and pass. And that's going to be good for Swift. He doesn't get the long down and distance work, but he gets all the two minute drill work. Um, so I think Swift is easily in a high end RB2 this week with RB1 upside. Every time I see those air yards from Marvin Jones, I just wonder what would that be if we had a healthy Kenny Galladay out there? Such a shame. One of the biggest what ifs of the 2020 season. Next matchup, we got the 49ers at the Cardinals. Arizona open as three point favorites. That is up to five points. Game total of 50 is down to 48 and a half, though. So, want to talk about some Brandon Ayuk because Raheem Moster is going to be, it sounds like, missing the rest of the season with another high ankle sprain. So, Jeff Wilson, he'll be the lead guy. I think we can rank him, you know, confidently as, you know, a lower end RB2. We're probably going to see some Coleman, some McKinnon, you know, with Shanahan, we never really know what they're going to do in the backfield but we can feel good about Wilson but we can feel great about Brandon Ayuk in his last five games he has had 10 targets 14 9 16 most recently 13 targets they are feeding the man he has scored four times with 70 plus yards and at least five receptions in six straight games the floor has been the freaking ceiling for Brandon Ayuk in this offense particularly with Debo Samuel I mean we're seeing him doing his thing on the outside you know running great routes just being an overall playmaker at the wide receiver position and then we're seeing him get these you know tap passes these designs screens all the stuff that Debo Samuel usually lives on is now going through Brandon Ayuk so you know we saw that one game where all these guys were out and Shanahan engineered Richie freaking James to 180 plus yards Brandon Ayuk has been the guy that's getting you know just all the you know just levers and gears in Shanahan's mind moving making sure this guy can get the ball in space so you know man I cannot wait until 2021 potentially getting Ayuk Kittle Debo Mostert healthy all at the same time you know we can talk another time about who, who should be the quarterback uh, you know for having a, that's those sort of offensive weapons around you but Last that I'll leave you guys with only 12 rookie wide receivers have had a PFF receiving grade of at least 80 as a rookie since 2010. OBJ. Justin Jefferson, Michael Thomas, Mike Evans, Terry McLaurin, Keenan Allen, A.J. Brown, Chris Cobbin, Doug Baldwin, Tyree Kill, Stephon Diggs, and Mr. Brandon Ayuk. In a loaded class of 2020 wide receivers, I understand Justin Jefferson has been the runaway number one. Brandon Ayuk certainly deserves to be heavily considered in the conversation for a number two rookie wideout of 2020. Dwayne, Kyle Murray, we're running again. Life is good, right? <laughs> Yeah, man, that's actually what I was going to lead off with. He's got five and six designed runs over the last 
two weeks, which we had seen those drop down in the weeks before. So I think, you know, and that's not counting the scrambles. So he had seven and two scrambles. So that's 12 plus, you know, that's 12 and eight, you know, over the last two weeks. So 20 rushing attempts for Kyler. Um, but the key thing is they are actually designing rushing plays. So that tells you they are feeling, you know, better about, you know, his AC joint. I don't think they're as worried about, you know, potential re-injury. So they're just kind of cutting loose at this point. They've got a shot, you know, at the playoffs, you know, they got a big game coming up this weekend. Um, so yeah, I think, I think you're just in a position where Kyler's obviously one of the top three to four quarterbacks the rest of the way. I mean, every week. So, I mean, you're, you're just going to roll with it. Um, as far as, you know, anything else, you know, with the Cardinals, I mean, what can I say? It's just DeAndre Hopkins. Like for anybody that was worried early on, you know, that Cliff Kingsbury was just going to spread the ball around too much. You know, it'd be 20% here, 20% here, 20% to another guy. That hasn't been the case at all. You know, Hopkins has got 132 targets on the season, 32% target share on the season, 34% of those coming on play action, which is really nice. Hopkins hasn't had that in his career. That's plus 19% versus your average wide receiver. We know uh, play action targets are worth more than regular targets, you know, from a PPR standpoint. And he's got 25% of the targets in the end zone. Um, and he tore up the 49ers in week one. He had 14 for 151 and one TD. So mm -hmm. I expect Hopkins to put up another big week this week. Yes, sir. It's a shame Christian Kirk hasn't been able to get, get back, you know, going. But you, to your point, Kyler Hopkins, that's about it in, in Arizona for right now. Next matchup, we got the Dolphins at the Raiders. This line opened as Raiders minus two. It's now flipped all the way to Miami minus three. The game total of 46 and a half is up to 47 and a half. So maybe that line flipped because, oh, my goodness gracious, the Raiders defense has been awful lately. I mean, they have allowed at least 28 points in five consecutive games. You know, yeah, you fire your defensive coordinator and you just then have, you know, freaking four or five starters get injured or on the COVID list. Things are going to be a little bit uh, problematic so defense absolutely reeling the problem is miami dolphins offense not exactly in much better shape uh, you know when it comes to injuries each of miles gaskin mike Tosicki, jerkin grant Devontae parker we need to monitor all these guys i talked about the backfield in the uh, tuesday edition of this podcast where i go over some of the waiver wire editions you know long story short with salvin ahmed if gaskin remains sideline we can fire him up as a top 20 running back this week based on volume and volume alone gaskin comes back gaskin will be the recommended start but probably a situation to avoid with potential for limited snaps and likely a full fledged committee but i want to give Tua some love because Tua was someone that came out was only being asked to be a game manager but now you look at these past two weeks in particular like he got benched midway through that broncos game and then he missed the game where uh, fitzpatrick came back in against the jets since he's come back though going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the chiefs without his weapons and then last week getting the dub over the patriots he had an awful end zone interception but otherwise i think two has really been playing a lot better football than he did to start the year which hey makes sense he's a rookie first year players allowed to get better as they play more football but look justin herbert best rookie quarterback by far this year and you look at pretty much any statistics you're going to see that slowly but surely though I think we're starting to see a two versus Burrow argument potentially be made. And look at some of these metrics. Two is at 72 PFF passing grade. Burrow 76. Two has a better adjusted completion percentage. Burrow's at 6.7 yards per attempt. Two is a 6.5. Burrow bet better big time throw rate. Two a lower turnover worthy play rate and a much worse drop rate on the squad. So look, I think Burrow's had a better year. I think the Dolphins, even though their offense, you know, if you just look at offense versus offense, I don't think the Dolphins' offense is that much better off than the Bengals, particularly with all these injuries they're dealing with right now. In the offensive line and the pass catching cord but look Tua versus Burrow it's not a laughable argument for what they put forth this year you know I'm not even bringing wins into that account or any of that bull crap but just efficiency wise Tua he's really been building off of you know these last few weeks don't discount what he could do in 2021 and beyond with a great uh, supporting cast I didn't know man after those first couple games like it was hey they're gonna have Houston's pick maybe they should go out and get a you know quarterback I'm feeling pretty good about the future with Tua we'll see you know it's hard to crown any of these rookie quarterbacks after you know less than one year's 
uh, worth of a performance, but Tua certainly moving in the right direction. I'm excited about the Dolphins in 2021 and beyond. Dwayne, Raiders, you know, Marcus Mariota's back. That's good. But I don't know, man. This uh, this this is a team that was a lot of fun about a month ago, and now I feel like everything's kind of going wrong. Yeah, but your guy Carr is hanging around. He's right there at like My guy. 13, I think, <laughs> on the season. Hey, man, he's put up some big games, you know, down the stretch. As, as they've fallen behind and had to shoot out more, you know, Carr has become more viable again, you know, like he was early on in the season. But uh, the, big, the big news, really, you know, for the Raiders, um, you've got Brandon Jacobs with, with – he was at his third highest snap rate for the season. So he had been battling an ankle injury. He was at 68%. Brandon, Brandon Jacobs. Did I say Brandon? Josh. That dude was a freaking hoss back <laughs> yeah. in the day. Oh, my goodness. God, he was. Yeah, sorry. Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs sorry. Sorry. Yeah, that was, a, that was a talk about a flashback, man. Yeah, so, I mean, I've got another giant on the list next, which is Darren Waller. So <laughs> probably got my mind thinking of somebody big. But, yeah, as far as Josh Jacobs goes, um, you know, 68% of the attempts, that was 26 of those. Now, he's still not getting the two-minute or the long-down distance work, which he had kind of taken over before the injury. And now – you got Theo Riddick involved. You got Jalen Richard playing. You got Devontae Booker. So um, the good news is Jacobs, you can count on him to get most of the attempts. So if they're in a situation where the game's close or they're ahead, you've always got the upside for him to see 25 rushing uh, you know, attempts. And anytime you get that from Josh Jacobs, you've got an upside of getting you know, two touchdowns um, and you can have a really big fantasy day. Um, he's getting 88% of the work inside the five. So that's really good. Um, Waller. I mean, what do you say, man? 124 targets, 26% you know, of, the, of the targets on the season, 16, 10, 12 over the last three weeks. I mean, basically, he's carrying teams you know, through the fantasy playoffs. You know, He and Travis Kelsey are just strapping people on their backs and saying, come on. I guess we'll have to throw Logan Thomas in there later. <laughs> but um, those three guys at the tight end spot, man, they're just absolutely killing it. And talking about another guy where normally he's just used underneath the big key for Waller these last few weeks, he's got six targets of 20-plus yards or more. So he is he's starting to stretch the field very Vertically is a mismatch against pretty much any any linebacker for sure and most safeties in the league. So they can pretty much do what they want with him. They can protect him, keep him on the keep him on the inside. And it's just hard to game plan for guys that line up on the inside all the time, especially if you've got any kind of play action game going, which the Raiders can do from time to time. Um, Aguilar, 11 targets, nine targets, eight targets, 448. Um, air yards over the last couple of weeks, like we talked about earlier with Carr, you know, we're having to see the Raiders shoot out more and that's helping, you know, Aguilar. Now we should get Henry Ruggs back, but Ruggs really wasn't doing anything. I mean, and plus these targets we're talking about were with Ruggs on the field. Um, he's got 10 targets of 20 plus yards or more over the last three weeks. So, and, and the thing with Aguilar that I really like is he's actually been targeted he's being targeted all over the field, you know, in that zero to 10 range in that 10, 20 range and that 20 plus range. So they're really drawing things up to, to move him around, get him targeted all over the field. So I think Aguilar right now, you know, Miami's a tough draw. You got two really, two really good cornerbacks, yeah. but I think he's still in the wide receiver three territory because of the way things have worked out, the Raiders defense is just terrible. So they're going to have to score points. So that means Waller, Aguilar and Jacobs, you know, those guys are going to all be viable. Yeah, and Darren Waller, man, I'm just looking at his total like season-long stats right Dude. now. 93 catches, 967 yards, eight touchdowns. To me, he's getting into that Travis Kelsey territory in terms of I almost feel bad just like comparing him to tight ends at this point. Like Darren Waller is a legit number one receiver. You can call him a tight end, you can call him whatever you want. This guy has proven that he can carry a legit passing game as the number one option back-to-back -back seasons. Absolutely fantastic NFL story. Next matchup, we got the Giants at the Ravens. Baltimore sitting as 11-point favorites. Game total at 45. Look, 
I'll keep this one quick. I mean, Colt McCoy has contributed a total of nine passing yards on his two touchdown drives as the Giants starting QB. Unless Wayne Gallman's going to rip off, you know, a 60 yard run out of the blue, which, hey, that's even harder to come by because for some reason, Deion Lewis and Alfred Morris and now maybe even Devontae Freeman, who returned to practice last week, are also getting their touches. But look, they can't throw the ball with Colt McCoy under center. He goes out there, he makes the right checks that, you know, makes the, you know, coaching staff feel good about putting him out there because he's a smart veteran backup QB. But we also have years and years of evidence that McCoy is nothing more than that. There's no upside anywhere in this passing game. If you want to take, you know, a long shot dart on, you know, Ingram, Sterling Shepard, maybe, but come on, people. Like, if you have these guys in your team, I would hope you're not in this position anyway at this point. And now we got a road trip against a blitz-happy Baltimore defense that could just accentuate all these issues that we've already had. It is a stay-away spot. I mentioned this muddle backfield. It's going to be even more of a mess if Devontae Freeman comes back. So either way, it's not going to be the Wayne Gallman show. Look, if you have any giant on your fantasy football team, they can safely be dropped, and I just don't think we need to talk any more about it. Dwayne, uh, tell me about Lamar Jackson and the Ravens offense that, that, you know, they've had some easy matches, but hey, whatever it is, they've been getting their shit together lately. Yeah, man, they're getting their mojo back. I mean, and if you're if you were a Lamar Jackson drafter, which meant a pretty early pick, typically a second rounder, you know, in most formats, if you manage to stay around, you've been in good shape because he's ranked fifth, first, and fifth over the last you know three weeks, and that's with some pretty big performances coming up from other quarterbacks, right? I mean, it almost doesn't do justice to call it a, a fifth and a first and a fifth finish, but yeah, the rushing game's there. He's scoring his rushing touchdowns. The passing game still has its issues, but when the running game's really rolling for this team, it just helps set up everything else. And some of those other deficiencies get taken away. If you remember, there was a stretch there where really Lamar played in some bad weather games too. So other teams knew not only um, you know did Lamar you know have some deficiencies, some issues in the passing game, and they were really scheming to take away and make him do things he he wasn't good at. He was also dealing with the weather and the elements. So now. If he could just wear the right cleats, like he's sliding all over the place. I feel like he leaves points on the on the field and, and hopefully, you know, he you know doesn't have any more issues with needing to go to the bathroom or whatever that was. Come on, get your fluids in you or get your fluids out of you, whichever it is, Lamar, uh, you know, stay on the field. But yeah, man, the offense is rolling. And here's one thing I'll say um, in a game like this, you know, you can really look at a guy like Dobbins. I know Edwards got his carries last week, but in the games where, you know, um, Baltimore gets up, there's less rushing for Lamar. He only handles 20% of the attempts whenever they're up by seven points or more, and they really start feeding those backs. You know, at that point, they kind of want to protect. They want to protect Lamar Jackson. There's, you know, they may use him occasionally. They did it last week. He still got a touchdown when they were up by by seven down inside the five. That's still going to happen, right? He's just going to read the defense and say, "Oh, I'm just going to take this <laughs> in." But overall, you're just going to get less carries for the quarterback. So I think it's a good spot for Dobbins again as an RB two. I know he scored last week. Um, he's had 11, 13, and 14 attempts. And I know people are like, oh, hey, Gus Edwards is, you know, really taking on. It's not so much Gus Edwards. He's only getting 22%, 25%, and 25% of the attempts. The thing is, you also have Lamar Jackson. So really, you know, it's a three-way backfield, but you've got Mark Ingram, who's pretty much just out of the picture now. So I think that keeps Dobbins in that RB2 range, especially for a matchup like this where they could get ahead. I think he's got two touchdown upside this weekend. This uh, he gets 100 percent of the two minute offense. Probably not going to need that portion <laughs> of their <laughs> offense this weekend. Um, but he also gets out there, you know, in the short down and distance. He's handled 100 percent, 50 percent, and 100 percent of the rushes inside the five. And like you say, Ian, sometimes that can just be about who's on the field when. So I like to look a little deeper and just look at all the short down and distance work, you know, um, that's coming with um, you know the backs. And he's still handling that as well. Yes, Edwards does work in, but Dobbins is seeing the most of that work. So. 
essentially what you have is you have a back that, you know, is going to handle 14 to 15 carries. If they really get up, he could push to 20 because he's going to handle all of the four minute work and he's going to get most of the work once they're down inside the 10, inside the five yard line, you know, and we've got an offense that could run it up this weekend. Yeah. No, I, I think you're 100% right about the usage for Dobbins. And you even look at week 13 when Edwards did score twice. They were on runs from 11 yards and 19 yards. We got to come up with a new name for these backup running backs scoring like a longer touchdown because vulture isn't the right word. Carlos Hyde had the 50-yarder, but like, you know, he didn't vulture him from the 50-yard line. Still tilting. You know, I'll put my head down this offseason and yes. I'll see what I can do. Uh, yeah, you got to come up with some. But you're I right, know. dude, because some people, it's everybody does assume. I had that on Twitter last week. Well, Edwards is taking all the carries inside the five, and you kind of got to be like, well, actually they came from like the 10 and the 11. Like, what are you going to do about it? Dobbins is getting all the stuff inside the five. Edwards made a couple of good plays. Just give the guy credit. And, and yeah, unfortunately that means Dobbins doesn't get those opportunities. JK Dobbins, 2021 RB1, still a very good asset in 2020. Next matchup, we got the Falcons at the Chiefs. KC open as 12.5 favorites. That is down to 11 points. Game total sitting steady at 54. So, you know, as we've been hyping up this throughout this podcast, his entire history going all the way back to July 2020, Calvin Ridley as 2019, Chris Goblin. The reason, the rising third-year receiver with a projected boost in volume. We have Muhammad Sanu out of the picture, and we saw Goblin in 2019 really benefit from a boom in targets after Humphreys and Deshaun Jackson left. Both guys that have been proven, you know, high-end talents before. And look at the results through 15 weeks, people. In 2019, Chris Goblin averaged 19.6 PPR points per game. 2020, Calvin really sits at 19.4. So both guys, fancy wide receiver ones. I know 2020 Goblin hasn't been quite as good, so we can talk, you know, another time about how Ridley will be next season. But man, this dude, just anytime we throw him the ball, good things happen. 17 career games with at least eight targets. His least productive game in that sample was a five-catch, 90-yard, zero-touchdown performance which only produced 14 PPR points. That's his floor with at least eight targets in the game. It's absolutely ridiculous. The dude is a stud. I know there, there are some concerns in like preseason about, hey, his ability after the catch. Is he just a one-trick pony in terms of a route runner? He can do everything. And just because Julio Jones is objectively better and he is just an awesome wide receiver one, you're allowed to have two wide receiver ones in the same offense. I feel like a lot of times the number two receiver in a great offense gets this flack. We always have to debate A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. Now it's becoming Julio versus Calvin. It's not Julio versus Calvin. It's Julio and Calvin. They both been balling all year long when healthy. Absolutely love to see it. And in a Falcons offense where they're not running the ball, I mean, they had a game last week up 17-0 at the half. I think they had 13 total rush attempts on the game. Hey, Hayden Hurst, you know, He'll be out there. Russell Gage, okay. Calvin Ridley is the only sure thing you want in this Falcons offense at the moment. It is a hell of a sure thing. Dwayne, Patrick Mahomes and company, it's just getting easy, man. Like, he had four or five ridiculous throws last week, but it's just, hey, that's just Mahomes. That's what he does. I mean, it's not going to change because it's Mahomes. That's what he does. He always makes it look easy. It's like, uh, I don't know what to compare it to, but it's like Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan. Like, it's, it's, like, it's like those guys. It's like he's just a level above everyone on the field and he his his skill set is just like so broad like he can literally do everything and so it's not like he's just a really good pocket passer he can get out and throw on the move you know he can scramble he can do everything and then he makes the bizarre no look passes you know he can throw from every angle he's got the arm strength to throw it back across the field all the things coaches have said you know that we've heard our whole lives growing up oh never do that like it works <laughs> out for Patrick Mahomes like every time so it is pretty ass it's pretty awesome to watch um man Travis Kelsey you know, obviously the number one scoring tight end, you know, in fantasy. But man, did you know this? He's the fifth scoring player in fantasy football in PPR leagues. That's one spot ahead of Derrick Henry. Ooh. 
I mean, that's like that. Like when I sorted it that way, I was like, wait, like do I, did I like double count something? I thought you were gonna say like, like among receivers. Among receivers would have made yeah. sense. Among everybody, yeah. that is bonkers. Yeah, 289 points. You know, you got Kamara sitting first at 321. Dalvin Cook right there. Kamara and Cook are tied. They're they're you know three tenths off from one another. And then you got Tyreek Hill's third, right? And then you turn around and get Kelsey fifth. So you got a third place you know a player and a fifth place player, you know, all from the same offense. So it's just ridiculous. So I mean, I think the thing most people are going to want to know about you know is Le'Veon Bell. We don't have a ton of data to go off here, but week thirteen we did have a no Clyde edwards lair game, and this is what we saw: fifty two percent of the snaps went to Le'Veon Bell, forty eight percent to Daryl Williams, fifty eight percent of the attempts went to Le'Veon Bell, thirty two percent to Daryl Williams, zero percent of the two minute work, zero percent of the long down distance. They gave all of that to Williams. I will say last week. They gave like 60% of the long down and distance to Le'Veon Bell. So obviously, look, he did that for years. We know it's in his bag of tricks, right? So it's not like he can't do it. But so far, what we've seen when it it was down to just these two backs, it was really more Williams getting those opportunities. Um, We saw 40% of the routes, which is pretty good, um, you know, the last time that this happened. But he had 100% of the work from inside the five um, as far as the snaps and 100% of the attempts inside the five. So you just we just talked about how high you know all of these weapons are. So obviously it's an offense that can be down inside the five pretty much more than any other team on any given Sunday. You know if you had to put a wager down of which team's going to be inside the five the most, it probably doesn't even matter what defense they're facing. You just you're going to pick the Chiefs. If you make that bet, you know 17 times or 16 times in the year, you know you're probably going to win 60 70 percent of the time. So he's in a good spot from that from that perspective. So I think. You know, when I look at Bell, I know a lot of people are super excited and they're like, hey, he's going to be an RB1 this week. I definitely think that's in his range of outcomes. Just, you know, kind of tap the brakes for whatever reason. Andy Reid has rotated all these guys. He's even done it to Clyde Edwards-Alaire for a good portion of the season. So I don't know that we'll see that necessarily change. But I do think in a game, you know, where you've got Kansas City favored so heavily um, and they could lean on the run late. I think that's really good for Bell. The one other thing that's kind of, you know, holds me up a little bit on Bell, Ian, is 86% of the four-minute offense, which is basically when you're just trying to grind the clock down and end the game. 86% of those carries also went to Daryl Williams in that Week 13 matchup. So it's like Le'Veon's kind of like, he's like, he doesn't have a ton of paths, right? He doesn't have a ton of outs. They could develop, right? This, this isn't always predictive, right? They could change the whole game plan and just give Le'Veon Bell everything this weekend. That's certainly within the range of outcomes. But Reed hasn't done that this week. So I think what you're looking for, you want them to really lead in the game. You're hoping you can get, you know, 80 to 90 yards rushing, pick up two to three catches from Bell for 20, 30 yards, and hope that he scores you a touchdown. And that's still great. That's a good fantasy week. And know, though, that he's got the upside for two or three touchdowns. I just don't see it if they're all of a sudden up by 20. Don't expect Love to continue getting all that work. They'll probably use Daryl Williams. So that just takes a little bit of the upside off of the top on Le'Veon Bell. I know I've just received a lot of questions on Twitter like, hey, Le'Veon Bell over this guy. Like, and you know, you're like really big fantasy names and you're like, whoa, like <laughs> Le'Veon Bell over that. Okay, let me stop and think about this, you know, for a minute. So I just wanted to give everybody a good breakdown of that. I do think he's a solid RB2 this week, but just, you know, be careful. I was going to say exactly upside RB2. Let's not lose our composure and freak out. You know, we weren't ranking Clyde Edwards Lair higher than that. I don't play on ranking his backup. And Clyde has been better than Le'Veon all season. It's not going to be the same role that even Clyde was getting, but still RB1 for the Chiefs against the Falcons. Certainly plenty 
capable path to RB1 success. Quick shout out to our sponsors, all first time depositors at Monkey Knife Fight that put at least $20 into their account while using promo code PFF or receive a free PFF Edge annual subscription. That's a $40 value for just $20, and you'll get the opportunity to turn that $20 into even more money playing daily fantasy and proc games at one of the fastest growing fantasy sports sites in the USA at Monkey Knife Fight. Go to Monkey Knife Fight, deposit your $20 with promo code PFF today to receive your free PFF Edge annual subscription. Next matchup, we got the Panthers at the Washington football team. Game open as a pick em. Now we're seeing the football team favored by two, uh, 44.5 point game total so dj moore i think he could be at a point in his career where his value is still a little bit low but you look at kind of what he's done in his you know three years now in the league and my goodness man like this guy is a freaking stud and just this year in particular 18.8 yards per catch Marquez Valdez scaling has more. That's it. Will Fuller's at 16.6. Metcalf's at 16.5. Justin Jefferson, 16.2. DJ Moore has emerged as a legit high-end fuel-stretching talent. That's not even what he was known for coming out. I mean, I'm not saying he couldn't do that, but his first year, he was, you know, setting records pretty much. I think A.J. Brown broke DJ Moore's rookie record for most yards after the catch per reception. Like, DJ, his first year when Cam was there, like, he was making a living just breaking dude's ankles after the catch. And we've still seen that this year. But Robbie Anderson, rather inexplicably, as we talked about on this podcast all year, has become more of their underneath intermediate type. I think Robbie can do all these things. I think DJ Moore can do all these things. We're again looking at a situation with two guys that can be legit wide receiver ones jammed in an offense. And because of that, we try to take away from them. Look, only f- it's and DJ Moore still has that part to his game. And that's what's so crazy. And this is part of why, you know, I was so in on AJ Brown going to this year, even though we had the volume concerns, because at some point, you know, we say that yak is, uh, you know, yak, something that kind of comes and goes, and it's not necessarily something we can count on year to year. But when we see guys having a deep average target depth and still getting the yak, they're not just picking it up on screens that, you know, get six, seven yards. They're picking it up on deep passes that they're then making more stuff happen. Only five wide receivers this season have posted an average target depth of at least 10 yards and also averaged six yards after the catch per reception. Miko Hardman, A.J. Brown, D.J. Moore, Marquez Volscaling, Terry McLaurin. Not saying MVS or Miko are complete studs, but again, people, it's a small group of players in the league that have this sort of skill set that D.J. Moore has already shown off in. You look at his age. This guy freaking is still only 23 years old, man. He doesn't turn 24 until April. And I just think DJ Moore, I mean, you know, Steve Smith was giving him some shit in this offseason. Like, okay, he hasn't emerged as the complete alpha game-breaking wide receiver one still doesn't have a you know season with more than with even five touchdowns in it and i'm a big proponent you know touchdowns should mean more than yards and all that but back-to-back season with a thousand receiving yards again he's shown the ability this year to be a deep field stretcher we already know what he can do with the ball in his hand just 23 years old man i'm not you know i, I gotta do my dynasty rankings this offseason because i want to i think that'll be good to have the long term and really look at these guys but man dj Moore, if you can go out and get him now i would strongly recommend doing so because yeah rest of this season he's still that fine upside wide receiver too but the future is bright for DJ Moore, man. I truly think out of all these wide series you watch, you know, on a weekly basis, he continuously pops off the screen. I think the best is still here to come for DJ. Washington, another really talented wide receiver on their side of the ball, Terry McLaurin. We don't quite know who's going to be under center. We got uh, Dwayne Haskins having his, uh, you know, need to go to the strip club sometimes. Alex Smith with a calf injury. Dwayne, uh, give me your thoughts on the Washington football team. Yeah, man, that's the bummer. We just don't know what's going to happen with the quarterback. I have a feeling Haskins is going to be suspended, right? It's just a matter of for how long. But my guess is he's not going to play this next week. Um, Alex Smith, you know, the calf issue could keep him out. And if that happens, we're talking about third string quarterback uh, that was just promoted from the practice squad. Am I saying this right? Taylor Heineke? Is that right? 
I have no I, clue. Ian. I'm I am not sure, man. I am all for our pronunciations. And please, everyone, well, send I, me dude, dude, I know we both watch the games where we can, and so I usually pick up pronunciations by going back and watching the games. That's right. how I pick that up. And like, it's not a name I've ever heard. <laughs> no, I've never heard anybody even say the name. Well, I was so gonna say real like, quick, all, all you listeners out there, when you hear Dwayne or I butcher like a pronunciation, shoot us a note on Twitter. We appreciate it. I, I have tits in my last name. Like, I hate when people mispronounce last names. I want to improve that on my own. So, quick disclaimer there. But yes, Taylor Heineke Heineken. Heineke, whatever it is, go join. Heineken, I like that. I like that. <laughs> yeah, so if you look at, you know, Washington, last week trailed on 81% of the snaps. So it was obviously who? A J.D. McKissick week. 88% of the snaps. That was a season high. 66% of the routes. But here was the real kicker, man. 72% of the rushing attempts. His previous high on the season had been 39%. 100% of the two-minute uh, work, 100% of the long down and distance work, and he had 75% of the snaps inside the five. I mean, so J.D. McKissick was literally like being treated like basically Christian McCaffrey, you know, um, which is, you know, what we've got with the offensive coordinator with Scott Turner um, in Washington. So we'll have to see what's going to happen with the quarterback. You know, Alex Smith can, you know, provide what we need. Haskins can provide what we need. Uh, Heineke, sorry if I'm butchering it again, but that's going to be a problem. The other thing, man, Logan Thomas, the guy that we were talking about early in the season, remember all the underlines were there, but man, he wouldn't get the targets or the targets weren't catchable. Like everything has come into play for him. 22%, 24%, 31% of targets. That's nine, seven, and 17 targets last week. And guess what? Catchable, 100%, 86%, and 76%. So they've done a nice job of figuring things out, you know, there with, you know, Thomas, whether that's him, whether that's timing, whether that's just, you know, uh, early season woes, maybe that Dwayne Haskins was working through. And so now you've just got, you know, the offense is just working better. I mean, Logan Thomas, man, he's, you know, we've talked about it all year. Utilization was tied in one utilization, the underlings. And now the production is following up. I mean, I was looking at, you know, some of the big contests that I play in. And man, Logan Thomas carrying people to the top of these leaderboards last week with this 40 point, you know, um, with a 40 point day in these tight end premium leagues, you know, and one guy had JD McKissick in his lineup too. I think he got like 25 from McKissick and 40 from Logan Thomas. I was like, wow. Like, and, and, you know, just catapulting up the leaderboard. So yeah. Um, and then the other receiver you mentioned when you handed it off, yes, another really good receiver there, Terry McLaurin, 12 targets last week. Again, Washington is going to play based on the script. They've got a really good defense. So if they can, if they can build a lead, lean into their defense, they feel the other offense isn't threatening, you know, that just brings down really the ceiling for everybody. And so McLaurin really, um, you know, got things rolling last week because they trailed 81% of the snaps. So his targets were up, his air yards were up, but you know, this is a guy that man, great route runner, got a lot of speed, you know, does things after the catch. Like his application is pretty much unlimited. You can do anything with with him you want on the field. It's not like he's a one trick pony. He's like, you know, a 10 trick pony. So love McLaurin. Um, this week's going to be, you know, tough though. We'll have to see what the quarterback is, man. That's going to be huge. And I mean, I've got decisions around McLaurin and championship lineup. You probably have decisions around. So you got to pay attention to the quarterback thing. So if it's the third string quarterback, Man, I think that pushes McLaurin down, you know, easily into the bottom end of wide receiver three territory, right? I know Carolina is not great against the pass, but when you've got a quarterback, you know, that's your third string, I think it's tough. And they do have other options they're willing to go to. They could just let this guy check down to McKissick and Logan Thomas all day and just not risk anything down the field. So, um, but if you get Alex Smith, you know, I think McLaurin's right there in the wide receiver two conversation. Um, same thing with Dwayne Haskins. 
Yeah, McLaurin already making his uh, career case for his generations. You know, Allen Robinson, Andre Johnson, great wide receiver, constantly paired with incredibly, you know, mediocre quarterbacks through two seasons. Case Keenum, Alex Smith, Dwayne Haskins, Colt McCoy, for years are not bleeding yet. Kyle Allen, we will see if Taylor Heineken gets added to that list or not. Next matchup, we got the Browns at the Jets. Cleveland sitting as 10-point favorites. Game total open at 44.5, up to 47. Baker freaking Mayfield is balling out, and he will not stop doing so. QB 10, QB 3. QB throw QB three again, and most recently QB 12 over the past four weeks. So it's been helpful because he's finally gotten the volume. Look, he only threw the ball more than 30 times twice in weeks one through 12 combined. He's done that in each of his past uh, three starts. So, you know, it was one of the, really one of these things we talked about all year. Cleveland is essentially running Minnesota's offense in the AFC. And like it is with Kirk Cousins, the only way he really pops off is if he has one of these games where they got to pass a little bit more. Otherwise, he needs to pair it with extreme positive efficiency. Haven't seen the efficiency from Baker throughout most of the year it has been coming to fruition lately i would just say people like it's a small sample size we shouldn't necessarily be walking back every negative that baker's ever displayed he still has a major hole in his game that we haven't seen fixed and that is his ability under pressure among 39 qbs under pressure this year baker mayfield is 35th in qb rating averaging just 4.3 yards per attempt two touchdowns four interceptions you give the guy a clean pocket we're we're, we're talking like we're balling ninth in qb rating 23 touchdowns only four interceptions 8.5 yards per attempt so hey when things are going right for baker you see it he gets his moxie he gets the swagger like you know all of a sudden looks like he, he won't throw an incompletion again he's starting to try you know more tight window throws things are going great all things that we saw him do for as a rookie for another extended stretch that was great just caution you know you look at this uh, browns team Please don't hate me, Cleveland. I've been giving Baker a lot of credit over the second half, you know, pointing out that he had those bad, uh, you know, games uh, just because of the weather. But, man, there's nine NFL teams with double-digit wins. Now, the Chiefs have the best point differential at plus 125. The Bills, second worst at plus 67. The Browns have a minus six point differential this season, Dwayne. And when I pointed this out on Twitter, a bunch of people said, hey, take away those Ravens and Steelers blowout losses, and then what? Okay, I did it, not because I had to. It goes against math, but I did it. They bump up to 12th if you take away their big blowout losses, man. I just think this, and they're playing the Jaguars, or the, excuse me, they're playing the Jets this week. Same difference. Like, they're going to go off again. Baker's going to look great again. You should be playing Baker. You should be playing Chubb, Hunt, even Rashard Higgins, an upside wide receiver three. Jarvis Landry is a freaking locked in wide receiver two at this point. I mean, things are going to go great again for another week. I'm just thinking, you know, now that the Browns are a double digit win team, we got to look at them with the other, you know, cream of the crop in the AFC. I just still think they are a step below them. So, hey, maybe Baker stays hot, but again i think once you know things get a little bit tougher in the playoffs and you start seeing a little more pressure we will probably see a little bit more familiar version of this browns team but hey hell of an improvement from what we saw in 2019 either way maybe i'm wrong and they keep it rolling just keep an eye out they're a fun team just haven't seen you know the overall dominance uh, as a season that we've seen with some of these other squads Dwayne, keep this one as short as you like new york jets they got they got a win yeah. though we gotta give them credit for that they got a win but yeah that's it yeah, I mean, they got to win. I'm not sure that helps them. Obviously, it doesn't, <laughs> but they got to win. Um, I, well, I have to point out one thing, right, at least here, you know, Ian. So 78% routes run for one Chris Herndon. Oh, what? Time is flat, is he, man. Man, <laughs> they, they just, I, I think literally, 
I, I think Gase follows you on Twitter and he just knows you're so heartbroken. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to give this guy something for next year. So now Ian just has oh to think God. about this and his preseason <laughs> rankings. We're going to have, we're going to have Herndon go off right down the stretch. And then Ian's going to be tortured again with where do I rank this guy next year? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's the jets. Uh, P Ryan's probably going to return to the backfield this week. So you're probably going to see even more of an RBBC, you know, Gore was seeing most of the work. The only other thing I'll see is Crowder, 35%, 18% and 28% of the targets, you know, with Sam Darnold back, that really seems to be the preferred option. Perriman had one target this last week. Now they were leading the whole game. So they were basically just trying to not blow it. So that was part of what was going on there. Yeah, anytime, you know, I'm, I, I'm trying to never take too many victory laps. I bark about AJB, but you know, I'm not sifting through old articles and highlighting this and saying, oh, look, look how right I was here. But anytime I get like even a little bit close to doing something like that, I always got someone to check me and go, oh, yeah, how's Chris Herndon doing, Ian? So it's all good, everybody. We will see what happens in 2021 and beyond. We'll see who's laughing 12 We've months all from got now. those guys, man. We've exactly, all got man. It's, it's all fantasy football. It's all fun and games anyway. Next matchup, we got the Bears at the Jaguars. Just another fantastic game. Bears opened as a three and a half point favorites. That's a hit there, already up to seven and a half. Game total 47 and a half. So, look. I'm guessing, you know, you don't have too big of a quarterback question in your fantasy championship, but if you're just a big underdog and you're shooting for the moon, Mitch Trubisky can be your moon or bust quarterback because in his starts this year where he has not been benched, so you can throw another dud in there if you want to. He's been the QB7, QB9, QB4, and he's also been the QB23, 24, most recently 26. So we're talking about someone that's either going to give you legit QB1 production or he's going to single-handedly lose your week. So again, it's not even like he has a floor at this point because He's still not running that much. And, you know, even the games like last week where Montgomery got going, we just don't see the passing volume. So certainly a situation where we see, you know, Montgomery get going again. Trubisky doesn't have to do much against some Jaguars, but this should be a game that brings out his better efficiency. How many quarterbacks have racked up, you know, three top 10 fantasy performances in a single week this season? We got to give Trubisky some credit there. But like Baker, even though we're seeing a little bit better play recently, we need to continue to look a little bit deeper and see if they truly fix some of their faults. One big one from Trubisky over the years has been his ability to consistently push the ball downfield. It's bad, man. This year on passes thrown at least 20 yards downfield. Trubisky is three for 25. There's no drops in there. Only one touchdown, three interceptions. Only Dwayne Haskins has a lower passing grade when throwing 20 yards downfield. Nobody has averaged fewer than Mitch Trubisky's 2.9 yards per attempt. Trubisky is trying to throw the ball 20 yards. He is throwing the ball 20 plus yards downfield and they're only getting 2.9 yards per attempt on those plays. You're literally better off running the ball to Tariq Montgomery, my guy, Cordero Patterson, whoever. So, Hey, Trubisky, you know, gives you that ceiling, but just realizes it's still a very flawed quarterback, very deep floor. You're playing Allen Robinson. You're playing, you know, David Montgomery, freaking top 10 RB one, like love it. I get it. Cole Komet, maybe if you're a little desperate, that's it though. And just realize there's a ceiling. There's also a floor in this passing game. Dwayne, oh man, they took him from us, man. The fantasy football gods took James RB Son from us and I hate them for it. Yeah, man. Well, it's really been rough for the last couple of weeks. You know, Robinson was such a surprise, carried a lot of teams to where they are and honestly has hurt teams, you know, in the championship, just because there's been other backs get so hot, like David Montgomery, Derek Henry, Jonathan Taylor, you know, even Akers before, you know, we had the injury. So it's just a situation where, you know, where he had been winning a matchup for you pretty much every week in your lineup. That just hasn't been the case over the last several weeks. And that is painful. So, and now we've got the injury. So yeah, we hate it. Um, you know, the one thing I was going to say just real quick on Trubisky that I did find like doing some deeper research on him in the off season, 
he's best against man coverage. So when you can find him coming up against teams that are going to run, you know, and look guys, the, the teams that run the most man coverage is like 50%, right? So it's not, you don't have most te- any, hardly any teams that run like 70, 80% man. You may have games where a team like the Patriots will do that, right? Because they think that's just the best way for them to win that game. Um, but Trubisky, you know, anytime you've got a team um, where he's going to see plenty of man coverage, he just tends to read that better, you know, and his timing is better with his receivers. So those are the games where you look at and you think he can pop. Um, this week, he's going to see, you know, the Jaguars run cover one 34% of the time. They run cover two man, you know, 2%. So that's like 36%. Um, you know, they're like a 38, 39% man team. So they're right. They're a little bit probably above the league average. I'd have to go back and look at the numbers for this year. So um, yeah, a weak secondary, but zone coverage confuses Mitchell Trubisky. And typically it doesn't matter uh, if it's a bad zone coverage or a good one. (laughs) Mitch just seems to, you know, struggle with that. And who knows, maybe he's overcoming that, but it did work out two weeks ago against the Texans who run man coverage about 50% of the time. And when they run it, it's terrible. And Mitch lit them up. Um, Yeah. So as far as looking at the Jaguars, like, like we said, Robinson, we already hit, man, there's not a lot really here. Ian, it's not a good matchup. Chicago's got a pretty good defense. They can be beat in the secondary. We've seen that the last several weeks, you know, better receivers can beat them, but it's still overall a good pass defense it's a good run defense so it's just hard to get excited about anything with jacksonville and they're not and jacksonville just isn't giving us anyone that they're saying right now is the centerpiece of their offense they're just spreading it around it's like a peanut butter spread right you're just you know putting trying to hit all the different corners and if you're on a bad team right and it's all spread around it's just it makes it hard to get any value out of it obviously we love dj chart you know on this show but only 17 18 percent and 19 percent of the targets over the last several weeks air yards have also been down keelan cole man that's a roller coaster um, i just prefer to stay off of it and chanel you know he's you know he's showing he's promising right but he's working like you know his two and three and four yard a dot right and i'm just not if he's surely i'm just not sure he's been fully healthy all season because we haven't seen some of the explosion that we saw you know at colorado when he was in college so i'm excited to see this guy next year but for now man i'm just steering clear of all of these guys ian i don't know if you have any other thoughts on them i was just gonna ask any i mean it seems like a zigbo should be the guy stepping into james robinson role are you at all confident that this dude can get you know 15 touches Man, I really don't know. Yeah, I, I looked no at it. I, I'm gonna. I, I touch on it in the utilization report, but I really just put it more as just look. It's a, it's really a big unknown. We know the coaching staff is willing to do it, right? So that's there. Um, so that's that's a positive. But we're talking about a guy really that you know they haven't given anything even since yeah. he's gotten back, right? And part of that is Robinson has been so good, right? So you you got to be fair, you know, but. And the last several weeks, the guy's got 0%, you know, of the attempts since he's been back, right? So, Agunbowale is handling all of the passing duties. But, yeah, I mean, I think he's the guy that I would guess is going to be out there. Um, and if, if we had to pick someone that we thought had a shot at getting, you know, 15, 17 touches, it would be Ozigbo. Yeah. Gun to my head, I, I would agree with you. He's the guy, but yeah, certainly not someone we want to take too much of a chance on on Championship Sunday. Next matchup, just more fantastic teams. Bengals at the Texans, Houston opening up as a nine-point favorite, 46-point game total. Giovanni Bernard is the only guy in the Bengals offense worthy of fantasy consideration. You know, hey, T. Higgins, you know, hey, even the corpse of A.J. Green has made a few catches over last week. No. Ryan Finley, like, come on. Brandon Allen, no. We're not touching this passing game. Can't do it. Like, look. Since in the post-Burrow offense, they've scored seven touchdowns. One was on kick return. Tyler Boyd has a 72-yard screen. There were two short fields after a turnover. One prevent-induced garbage time score. And then finally, two perfectly fine 
touchdown drives and 12 quarters of action. No, just absolutely not, people. Like, we are not touching this passing game. Giovanni Bernard is the only person we feel somewhat good about. 68% snaps last week, 25 carries, one target. Maybe one of the most pissed off I've been all season was when they benched him. Hadn't lost a fucking fumble on a rush attempt since his rookie year. And they decided to bench him after losing one against the Cowboys. Apparently, they're over that. It's back to the Geo show, and he had that huge workload against the Steelers. Was able to find two touchdowns with it. Beautiful angle route by Geo, by the way. But look, Giants, Jets, Bengals, Patriots, and Jaguars. These are the only teams implied for under 20 points this week. Don't be afraid to pass on basically everybody involved. I mean, Geo, for all those nice things, even in this good matchup against the Texans, still someone that we're not going to probably have in the top 20 backs. I think he's going to be right at the end of that low end RB2 range. So, Geo, that's it. Moving on. Dwayne, the Sean Watson man, guys playing his freaking heart out week after week after week, not getting much help. Can he at least send his fantasy football managers home happy in week 16? Yeah, man. I think he's got a matchup where he can do it. The, the Bengals, you know, their secondary is pretty tough. They've got some guys back there that can play, but Brandon Cooks is a good player. Kuti has shown he's a capable player. You know, he fumbled that one ball down like inside the three yard line, or he was, he was, you know, he was a couple of steps away. That was a great play by Darius Leonard, punching that ball out, you know, coming from the backside. You know, so it's just a situation where he's got receivers that even though they've lost Fuller, I think they can still move the ball. And man, David Johnson, what? Like 80% of the snaps, 42, only 42% of the attempts. He was in a route 76% of the time. And, and they were letting David Johnson do what he does best, right? Which is catch passes, 30% target share. That's 11 targets for David Johnson last week. He handled all the two-minute work, all the long down and distance work. So, yeah, I think, you know, between Johnson, Cooks, Kuti, you got Chad Hansen, you know, you kind of mix in there. Jordan Akins. It's not like these guys are all all-stars, but that's just how good Deshaun Watson is, right? I think he can still put up over 350 yards passing with these guys against this defense. The, the thing is, will they really have to do that, right? I mean, how, it's like you said, like, what are we going to get out of Cincinnati? You know, they, they played a great game against Pittsburgh. Um, you know, hat tip definitely to them um, coming out fired up when everybody thought they were done, just mailing it in, you know, and they were able to come out and get that win against the Steelers. But, you know, I don't know. Do they have that? Do they have another week of that in them? Because you could see easily Houston just jump out on them. You know, Houston's an eight-point favorite, right, as a team that hasn't won very many games. That tells you what Vegas thinks about, you know, uh, Cincinnati. So, um, I, I think, I think you know, Deshaun's fine. You're starting Deshaun Watson, you know, if you've got him. But I think Cooks is the guy that can be in play. He ran, he was out there for 100% of the routes last week. He's got eight and seven targets over the last two weeks. We know he can hit big plays. We know they use him all over the field. He works underneath. He works intermediate. intermediate. They get him in the slot some. He's still their number one receiver. Um, Kuti, I worry about a little more this week, Ian, because whenever they're in a game where they don't have to push the tempo they don't have to play no huddle they don't have to run as much of the two-minute offense they go more to their 12 package and so that cuts into Kuti's opportunities because then his routes drop from like the 85 percent range to, to the 65 percent range so i'm not saying you can't use him just realize that if there is that scenario where that game script plays out that way and you get a game more like we did two weeks ago where people are like oh my god thank god he scored a touchdown or we would have been totally screwed it could be that kind of game where they just don't need to run the 11 personnel as much yeah, and that would also, I think, go for David Johnson's pass down usage. 11 targets, 11 catches last week. People do not expect that again, please. Perfectly fine, <laughs> you know, 
RB2 in this matchup, with especially with Duke's sideline, but he will not be getting anything close to double-digit targets. Next matchup, Colts at the Steelers. Open as Pittsburgh, minus three. The public is outraged. It has flipped all the way to Indianapolis, minus two. Game total 46, down to 44 and a half. So, look, Jonathan Taylor, we knew he's been breaking out as, you know, just the best running back on the Colts, particularly over the past few weeks of what he's been able to do on the ground. But now the Colts are acknowledging that it is completely the Jonathan Taylor show now. Jordan Wilkins, for the first time all season, did not play a single offensive snap absolutely love it and deservingly so man i mean it wasn't a situation earlier on the year where we could point to many stats and say hey you know jonathan taylor is playing so much better than jordan wilkins it was really the opposite and it was being a little bit overstated you know wilkins had a really good i think uh, missed force tackle rate but you know it was never anything like too ridiculous that you know wilkins should be out there over taylor either way in weeks one through ten jonathan taylor forced nine missed tackles on carries weeks 11 through 15 22 already i mean look hey the guy he's only i think he said 36 targets he's only dropped one path and he's only had one incompletion and wasn't even a drop he's succeed he's surpassed our expectations in terms of what he's doing as a pass catcher but Naeem Hines like that's his role that's not going anywhere the fact that Wilkins out of the picture that's what we needed we always you know the most realistic the most realistic path for Taylor was always as you know an efficient undisputed early down option a 2RB committee that's what we finally got Naeem Hines is still getting some carries he's getting his targets but it's fine the Jonathan Taylor show the Steelers have the league best defense league's best defense and PPR points per game allowed to RBs I do not care Jonathan Taylor remains an RB RB1 in this spot. And I think, you know, against the Steelers defense, though, we've seen become a little bit less elite against an offense that we've just seen emerge as a shell of themselves. We could see Taylor keep on keeping on, find the end zone a couple times and flirt with maybe even, you know, as most touches of the year because I don't think they're going to want Phillip Rivers dropping back too many times against that pass rush. Would make all the sense in the world for them to continue to feed Jonathan Taylor. He's been their best option on offense for the better part of the last month. Dwayne, Steelers man, PFF Lily gave him a Monday night lock. It was over <laughs> 28 points on the Steelers team total. I was, you know, talking myself into them forcing overtime, maybe getting it there. Did not come to fruition. I'm upset. She's upset. Is there any chance the Pittsburgh Steelers can rebound following this three-game losing streak where they reached a new low with that loss to the Bengals? I mean, I think there's always a chance, right? But <laughs> the thing you worry about is Randy Fickner, their offensive coordinator. He's just not a guy that's been willing to show a lot of ingenuity over the past three years, right? Um, just just doesn't give you know his quarterback a lot of the edges that a lot of the other quarterbacks in the league get. Now, some of that is due to Ben. They don't want to run as much play action because they feel that he takes more hits on those. You know, he's also just an older guy. Um, so they don't like Ben under center, you know, a whole lot. They like to let him, you know, get back there, be in shotgun, see everything, call out the protections, you know, and they just want to run, you know, that type of offense. And they don't seem like they're going to change. The problem is everybody knows what they're doing. They're sitting on all the underneath routes. I mean, we've seen it four games in a row now. Um, really, you've seen it happening all the way back to the Dallas game in week nine, where basically that was kind of the beginning of teams figuring out, you know, how to best defend the Steelers offense. Here's what I will say, the positive at a player level, um, Dwayne Washington had kind of jumped up into this role where it was hurting um, Chase Claypool um, over the last several weeks. It looks like they're going to go back with Claypool. He had 67% of the routes and 20% of the targets where Washington dropped back down to that 35, 30% range that he had been at, you know, for the previous four to five weeks um, when Claypool had taken over. So um, Claypool is going to be out there a little bit more. Um, these are not lottery ticket numbers. These are the number of targets for Deontay Johnson. So don't <laughs> confuse this folks and try to go, well, maybe you should go play this, but some of them replicate each other. 10, 10, 17, 12, 12, 7, 11. And 86% of those are on the first read. It's it's insane. Like Deontay Johnson, yeah, even as bad as the Steelers are, I mean, goodness. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that, right? I mean, that's uh, 
He's getting peppered with targets. It's not going to stop, even though he had a few drops. That seven came when he was benched a whole half. You know, I mean, so really that seven would have also been another double digit, um, you know, uh, target week. And and the other thing with Deontay, you know, as you did see, as you saw, uh, you know, last night, I know they got behind, but he can, you know, get deep. He's not just an underneath guy, but man, the targets are there. You know, he's, he's high end wide receiver to every single week, just because of the targets alone. If he happens to catch a deep ball, boom, he's up into the wide, he could, he could be the wide receiver one of the week easily any given week. Yeah, made numerous tough, like, contested catches in that game, too. Hopefully, he's over that. You know, the yips problem he was seriously having, just dropping, you know, these wide-open short passes. Obviously, we all know how great he can be with the ball in his hands. Next matchup, we got the Broncos at the Chargers. LAC open as two-and-a-half-point favorites. That's up to three-and-a-half. Game total 51 down to 49. So, you know, was going to do some stuff uh, pre-podcast. Want to see who I want to focus on the Broncos. Talked about my love for Drew Locke. You know, him just being an AFC West Jameis, having these, you know, highs and lows, and definitely a low last week. Four touchdowns before that. Don't forget. We got Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. Gordon scored two touchdowns last week, but you know, pretty. Uh, it's still has been a situation all year where when both those guys are healthy, it's going to be split. Twenty eighth ranked scoring offense. Don't feel like you need to chase those points from Gordon and fire him up in this game. He's a fine borderline RB two, just not anything higher. Noah Fant is the one guy in this offense that I don't think people have given enough credit to this season because he's been playing through the pain again and again and again, and he is still emerging as one of the most efficient tight ends in the league over the past two years. So you look at it. 45 players at the position have had 50 targets over the past two years. Noah Fant, 14th in PFF receiving grade. Fourth in yards after the catch. Behind only Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. He's ninth in uh, yards after the catch, period, not per reception. 12th in yards per route run. I mean, look, this guy is absolutely balling with his opportunities. The problem has been injuries and erratic play under center. So, haven't gotten a huge breakout this year, but man, I just think that 2021 and beyond, Noah Fant is someone I continue to want to bet on. No, him and Hawkinson coming out of that same offense is wild you know Hawkinson probably deserves the edge right now but hey fam he just turned 23 in November and again I think you know we'll see what happens with Drew Locke but wouldn't it be the first time that Elway bails on someone quickly you know we've heard about you know some unrest with Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay I'm just saying like who knows who's going to be the quarterback for the Broncos in a couple years all I know is I know a fan regardless of who's going to be under center will likely be one of the upcoming rising tight ends and if you're out there in dynasty and you have a way of getting this guy you know being priced closer to a tight end 10 tight end 12 just realize i don't think it's gonna be too many more years before we see him up into the high end of the weekly tight end one conversation Dwayne chargers justin herbert man making it happen even with uh, austin i don't want to take away from what you're saying last week man but watching that watching that game it seemed like at some point he said screw it i'm done with these checkdowns and i pull up the numbers later single game high average target depth justin herbert man when he slings it downfield he's hard to stop yeah, man. And that's when they're at their best, right? They just need their weapons to be healthy. So I know Keenan Allen didn't practice today. I didn't see Mike Williams. I think he was limited. So we're going to have to just see what goes on with these two guys. They were definitely curtailed in snaps last week. You know, both of them, neither one of them got over 50%. So you had your backup uh, wide receivers and who filled in admirably, right? Guyton, you know, jumped in there. Um, and then, uh, sorry, I'm forgetting the other guy's name right now. You probably uh, know it, Ian. Uh, Tyron Johnson. Yeah, Tyron Johnson. Yeah. I mean, both those guys stepped in. They played admirably. And then obviously Hunter Henry came through, you know, whenever he needed to. So, yeah, man, Justin Herbert is like, what do you say? Like, like, where do you rank him next? I'm starting thinking about next year. Like, this guy's going to be probably ranked in our top 10 quarterbacks. And he's a guy entering this year that you just thought would be, 
nothing you would ever even start right for the whole season. So it's pretty interesting to think about Herbert, but he does have great weapons. Um, the thing I'll say, you know, um, just thinking about the chargers here, you know, Eckler is really just settled in. I think we know what we can expect now. He's going to be about 60% of the snaps. Um, he's, his attempts are going to be between 50, 55%, you know, and they're going to still give Balazs some of the other work as well. Um, he's going to be in a route 60 to 70%, you know, of the work he's going to get all of the long down and distance. He can get all the two minute work. He's not getting any of the work inside the five, but still that's okay. You're an offense that scores the ball a lot. To your point, you know, Herbert not, doesn't necessarily want to check it down, but still 13%, 20%, and 13% target shares. And an offense, you know, that typically can score, you know, in the 25 plus points per week. Um, that's fine. You know, that's fine. And we know that Eckler's got the ability to break one, and he's probably just now getting to truly full strength, right? You know, he was out of the game for a long time. Yeah, his hamstring might have been better, but conditioning, all the other things that come into the game. So Eckler is, you know, he's just a guy that I think, you know, obviously you're going to keep putting him in your lineup, but I think we can feel really good about where he's at. Um, there's nobody else really here to hit. You know, like I said, Balazs is really the backup right now. Um, you know, he's the only other guy really getting any work in the backfield, but it's just really inside the five-yard line, you know, and he's just given Eckler a little bit of a breather here and there. The big news is, is Keenan Allen going to play? That's the thing we got to watch for. My guess is he will, right? He played on a very short week, you know, before. I think they're probably just going to take it as cautious as they can. I wouldn't be surprised to see a DNP again tomorrow and then see a limited practice on Thursday and then, and then, you know, get the full practice, which isn't even really a, a practice, but they give him the full practice, you know, designation, you know, on Friday, if you see that, you know, it's going to be all systems go for Keenan Allen, you fire him up. Yeah, and just realize everyone, you know, I, I was one of the people out there last week before Thursday night that said, you know, you should start Keenan Allen, start your studs and all that, particularly after Keenan literally went to the camera and said, do not sit me. Look, he had a game earlier in the year with a back injury. He was supposed to play limited snaps, went over 100 yards. And this game, particularly last week, both Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler from freaking Jay Glazer, who is an awesome reporter. And I know he refuses to do, you know, any report unless he has three confirmed sources. So I have no doubt in my mind that Jay Glazer heard from valid sources that Austin Eckler was going to be on a pitch count, have a limited role. He played more snaps than he did the two previous weeks. So as much as we got burned from Keenan Allen, don't let that one time we got burned on the pitch count just shape every single injured player we have. Look, so many players are questionable week after week after week. It's truly a situation where you got to treat every single one different. Again, I know it sucks that it happened in week 15. My apologies. I wasn't right on that call. But it's we got to continue to move on, treat each situation as its own independent spot, and react accordingly. Four more matches, everyone. Quick shout out to our sponsors before. Subscribe to PFF's Elite Annual Subscription using promo code ACTION to receive a year of Elite Subscription Access and one year, that's being 365 days, of Action Pro Subscription Access for just $199.99. Action Pro is Action Network's premium subscription offering tailor-made tools to make avid and new betters better. This is a limited time offer that is currently only made available through the Super Bowl. This offer also only applies to first-time Elite Annual subscribers. That is promo code ACTION to receive a year of Elite Subscription Access and one year of Action Pro subscription, $199.99, people. Gotta love it. Eagles at Cowboys. NFC East showdown. Somehow both teams, at least the Cowboys, are still alive. Uh, this opened up as a pick em. Eagles now up to minus two. Game total 48 up to 49 and a half. So, look, not time to crown Hurts necessarily as the next big thing at the QB position. But, oh, my goodness, this dude is locked in as a top five QB this week in this spot. The big concern last week was, hey, what's he going to give us as a passer? Because he did not show anything against the Saints. That was our third worst game that we graded from a rookie quarterback in terms of just PFF passing grade. Didn't matter against the Cardinals. We told you guys you need to start him with confidence because of all those rush attempts. Now we have demonstrated passing upside. Think about how long it took 
for Josh Allen, for Lamar Jackson, some of these guys to show us that they could put up anything in the air. Josh Allen didn't throw for 300 yards in the game until 2020. Jalen Hurts did in his second career start. So I went back, you know, made a little highlight film in that. You're not going to see just these outrageous tight window throws one after another. But you know what? Like, okay, a lot of these were open, but let's look at the guys he's thrown to at this point. Alshon Jeffrey, something named Quez Watkins is taking a screen 30 yards for a touchdown. Goddard and Ertz aren't exactly separating downfield. I mean, there were two throws he had before the Hail Mary drive, the previous one. Dallas Goddard down the middle. Like, he put that ball exactly in the only spot where Goddard could maybe come down with it. So, again, I'm not saying Hertz is his pinpoint perfect passer at this point, but we've seen he can put up 300 yards and three touchdowns against a not shitty NFL defense. That means a lot. Truly top five quarterback option this week. Among all positions, he is 15th in just fantasy points from rushing production. He's ahead of guys like Chris Carson, Josh Jacobs, Kamara, Kenyon Drake, just in terms of rushing upside. So we know he's got the passing under his belt now. I don't think he's going to need it against the Cowboys. We're talking about the league's single worst defense in yards before contact allowed per rush. Look, this could be a slaughter. I think Jalen Hurts and the Eagles crush the Cowboys, and I do think Hurts is, again, a top five fantasy option at the position. Dwayne, am I crazy for putting Hurts in the top five and then talk to me about Andy Dahl and the company? No, man. I, I, I think you're Boom. right. And it's just it's just the way the game works now, right? There's so many ways to win in the NFL. Coaches are more pliable, right? It's not like it used to be where you've got to be this exact kind of quarterback to succeed. And so when you've got that going on, then that means a wider range, right, of different types of skill sets, you know, can come in and be successful. And that's what we're seeing with Hertz. You know, I wanted to see him throw the ball more because I saw some games in Oklahoma where he looked great. And then I saw other games where I thought, oh, that looks just like it did in Alabama. That's terrible. So we'll see. It's like you said, you can't, you can't crown anyone just after a couple of games, but he is in a smash spot. And I agree with you as a guy that lives in Dallas, lifelong Cowboy fan. I do not <laughs> expect this game to be close. Um, yeah, easily. If, 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 if I could, you know, put a wager down, you know, in Texas, we can't, I can, I can't do it here, but on Philly, you know, minus two, I think easily Philly covers that, that spread. I'm, I'm doing it well, right now, Dwayne. I'm doing it right now for both of us. <laughs> yeah. I, that's way, that's too low. You know, um, the Cowboys, yeah, their defense has played inspired, you know, over the last couple of weeks, they've gotten some turnovers, they're getting some sacks, but they're still not good against the run. They're not good against a team that can show balance and really keep them, you know, on their toes. Any team that's been able to do that has really, those teams have really killed the Cowboys right and, and so this last week they got they got up to a great start and forced some turnovers early that put the 49ers in a hole so they couldn't do the thing that they wanted to do which really you know we know what the 49ers want to do they want to smash you in the face they want to run the ball down your throat set up play action so some of those things were taken away due to the game script you know so and I think some of that was luck some of that was great play by the Cowboys defensive line like I said that has looked better but man I expect the Eagles to trounce them as far as the Cowboys go I think everybody uh well, I guess except maybe Zeke owners, they're all hoping, give me one more week of Tony Pollard. Personally, I hope Tony Pollard doesn't play because he's sitting on several squads in the top five, you know, of a huge national championship, you know, that I'm in and he's not on mine. I'm like, bring Zeke back. I need Pollard out of these guys' lineups, man. It's like, a, you know, give him a 32 point, you know, you know, um, spot in their flex play. So, but Pollard, man, golly, like if, if it wasn't already, everybody already's you know, all, all over Zeke. Now you have Pollard come out against a pretty good run defense, do what he did. And I know a lot of people were like, oh, if he didn't have the big run, blah, blah, blah. I, you and I are similar on that. You can't take away the big run, right? That, yep. That's part of, you know, that's part of, uh, you know, 
the back did it, right? And he also did some things. It was 27 to 24. It wasn't like yeah. some garbage time like they gave yeah. up. He broke like three tackles on the play. Exactly. Like he made a good play. And you can just see it, man. The guy's got juice. And I'm not out here saying he's better than Ezekiel Elliott. I think Ezekiel Elliott's still a good back. It's probably now going to be undervalued heading into next season. You know, the Cowboys have paid him. Um, so, And I think if you get the offensive line back, Zeke's going to be a guy that probably could have some value next year in drafts. But right now, man, Pollard, 29% of the targets, 90% of the snaps, 78% of the routes, 67% of the attempts. I mean, he got all of the two-minute work, all of the long down distance. So if he does start again, the Eagles are kind of tough up front. But really, this is one of those guys that because of his skill set, you know, he gives you a high floor, high ceiling. Because he yeah. can catch seven, eight balls in a really bad game, even though he may only get 50 yards rushing, you know, 20, you know, and 30 yards receiving. And you look up and you're like, ah, I still got 18 points just because of the receptions. He's that kind of back. That's how they're using him. And man, the receivers with Dallas right now, it's just, I don't, I don't know what to say, man. Six, six targets and three targets over the last two weeks for Amari Cooper. Uh, you had Michael Gallup get hurt, you know, in this game. So his, his snaps dropped down to 68%, but that's why he was hurt in the game. He's got a hip pointer. We'll see what's going to happen. Most likely, my guess is he's not going to play this week. But the thing is, that didn't correlate to all of a sudden C.D. Lamb or another one of these receivers seeing a big jump. It really got spread out over Noah Brown. It got spread out over, uh, you know, I don't even have it. It was mostly Noah Brown. No, Cedric mm-hmm. Wilson was back in the mix again. So, I would hope that more of that would go to CD Lamb with a week of game planning. So maybe Lamb has a little bit of upside for you this week because I do think they're going to have to throw the ball. Um, and I think Andy, Dal- Andy Dalton's going to have to throw for over 300 yards to have any kind of shot to hang in with Philly this week. You're not going to be able to just throw for 200 yards and let the defense win the game for you. It's not going to be that kind of game. But it's just tough, man. It's tough to trust any of the Cowboys' weapons right now because none of, none of them are seeing consistent targets, right? One of them will pop up with 11. And then the next two weeks, they'll have three, four, five. So I'm really just steering clear of them all this week. And if Zeke is back and he plays, I'm I'm avoiding Zeke still pretty much yeah. everywhere that I can. Um, just because now, if he is hurt, right, and he, he re-injures it, they know Pollard can do it, and they're going to let Pollard run with it. And just to kind of nurse Zeke through, why would they really want to hurt somebody they paid all this money to? They could just split the load even more, you know, with Pollard. So I think it's an issue if Zeke plays. Um, I, honestly, if Zeke plays, I would lean more towards playing Pollard than I would Zeke if I owned both. Yeah, but I think it's probably just going to wipe each other out, man. Like both yeah, those guys would probably be outside the top. I'm just 20. saying, if you're stuck, yeah. like and you like and you have to make a choice between those two guys, you know, and there's nothing you can pick up off your wire. I mean, I don't, you know, gun to your head kind of thing. Like I think I'm leaning to Pollard. I think I'm with you. It was already trending more 60, 40 in recent weeks, you know, before Pollard comes in. If Zeke is out though, like regardless of, of what you think about Tony Pollard, like he has an RB1 workload, 90% snaps yep. in those targets to your point. Like just remove the talent from the equation, RB1 workload. And yeah, man, look, Eagles secondary, I know it's banged up and that might be what people say, hey, maybe Dollar can't throw for 300 yards. Look, he's looked good for roughly 12 quarters this season. 49ers, Bengals, and Vikings. Those are the league's 24th, 31st, and 32nd ranked pass rushes and pressure rate. The Eagles ranked fourth. The big Biggest kryptonite of this Cowboys offense all season long has been this horrendous offensive line. Expect that to rear its ugly head this Sunday. Rams at Seahawks next game. We got Seattle as two-point favorites. Game total 48.5 down to 47. Big news is Cam Akers likely being out this game with a high ankle sprain. Awful. Didn't even notice for some reason until 6 p.m. today. That's on me. Didn't see the uh, the later night West Coast uh, update on that as I was drinking some Chiefs during Monday Night Football. So, looking at this, Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown now. So, we had five games with the Acres playing fewer than five snaps or just being inactive as a whole. 
Henderson has led the way in touches in four of those five games. The most recent ones, week six and seven, he also led the way in snaps. And let's just see Malcolm Brown kind of removed from the equation uh, in recent weeks. Like it is going to be Daryl Henderson's backfield, but not to the same extent that we saw Cam Akers get. I think Henderson is going to come in as, you know, right around that RB20 range, low end RB2. Because look, Jared Goff, he has weekly potential to turn this into a truly brutal offense, which is limited upside all the way around. You know, Robert Woods has been kind of the only guy to consistently give us, you know, just anything resembling. Uh, just high end or just fancy production week to week. Cooper Cup's been suffering lately. The running backs other than Cam Akers haven't been able to get the touches. So, you know, Henderson, yeah, he's definitely the recommended guy over Brown, but I would just say with the way this Rams offense is moving lately, even then, not necessarily someone we need to be jamming in the lineups. I do not expect Henderson to take Akers' role one for one. He's been someone that's been a little bit banged up uh, since their bye week, really, with a quad injury not looking good. So, not even, you know, there's a range of outcomes. I would say, you know, tw- if they simulate this game 100 times, Brown probably leads the way in touches you know a good 20 25 times out of that so henderson preferred play just don't go crazy that's kind of been our you know story with a lot of these backup running backs stepping in very hard to assume that you know one running back's just massive workload is going to be completely moved on to the second back it happens we saw that with tony pollard and freaking uh, zeke but not always the case don't think it will be for henderson Dwayne, talking about russell wilson in a passing game that man we boy have we come a long way yeah, quick plug on the Rams backfield. I, I, I'm i doing a super in-depth piece on that as part of the utilization report, which yeah. will, I'll, I'll file that tomorrow morning. Where basically I've broken down all the games where Akers had three snaps or less, what the game scripts were, you know, were they trailing, were they leading, how did they use the back? So, I mean, I go into basically everything, you know, you can about it. And so, not going to spoil it, though. You guys can go check it out, you know, at PFF um, if you want to see that. So, yeah, as far as the, C- uh, the Seahawks go, I mean, look, we don't need to talk about Metcalf. We don't need to talk about Tyler Lockett. I mean, obviously, the passing game, you know, has been hurting. But, you know, Washington's a good defense, you know, so they just came up against a good defense. Teams just aren't letting them hit the deep shots. We talked about it last time on the show. Lockett's mostly working underneath. The guy to talk about this week is Chris Carson. 70% of the snaps, that's a high on the season for Carson. Um, 63% of the attempts, also a high. 55% of the attempts, uh, sorry, 55% of the routes. Um, not getting, you know, all the two minute work. Carlos Hyde, the two minute back. What? I, I don't. Even, I, I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't uh, compute that. But whatever. Uh, Chris Carson's a much better receiver out of the backfield than Carlos Hyde. But bygones. Um, he gets, you know, about a third of the long down and distance. So that, the main thing is though, getting out there seventy percent of the snaps, being in a route fifty five percent. We know that he's healthy now. Um, and Rashad Penny got hurt in his first game back, you know, so he's got a grade three ankle sprain. So we'll have to keep an eye on Penny. Um, and then you also had uh, DJ Dallas get hurt. So it's pretty much probably going to be the Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde show. And it looks like they're leaning into Carson more down the stretch run. They've got to keep winning. And I think we could see Chris Carson really put up some solid numbers the rest of the way. I am with you there. Penny might get a few more touches, but it certainly is the Chris Carson show. Next matchup, Titans at Packers. Green Bay open as four and a half point favorites. That is down to three and a half. Game total of 56. AJ Brown, wide receiver one. You, you've learned that from now. If you've learned one one thing from this podcast, it is always it is, that is always AJB wide receiver one season. Corey Davis locked in wide receiver two. We told you to go back to the well last week. Hopefully you did. Do not be concerned about Jair Alexander, everybody. He is a great cornerback. He just hasn't shadowed a single receiver since week seven. They use him on his side. That allows guys like DJ Moore, as we saw last Saturday, to go off against Kevin King on the other side. So hey, if you got a better you know option, I get it, but don't let you know Jair Alexander be the sole reason why you're not playing either one of these wide receivers but main event 
Derek freaking Henry needs 321 more rushing yards to reach 2K. So look, on you know 161 per game, no freaking problem. Should have every chance in the, in a, in the world to get there against the Pack, Packers and Texans. For those keeping count at home, leagues 28th and 31st ranked defenses in PPR points per game allowed the position. Derek Henry in his career in September has averaged 3.88 yards per carry. In October, 4.33. In November and December, 5.6. And in January, 5.2. Imagine you know end of the season, your team's out of the playoff uh, picture. I know that's not the case with Green Bay right now. It is going to be the case with the Texans. You know, bones hurt. You played 14, 15 games. Now you got to try to take down Derrick Henry 25, 30 times in a game. It's no wonder, you know, we always throw these analytics out there, try to make things harder than they need to be. Derrick Henry, when things get cold, becomes a freaking even more of a monster than he normally is. Continue to treat the guy as a top five running back. He's really been ever since Matt LaFleur decided to play him over Deion Lewis. What a just great decision by Coach LaFleur. Who could have ever come to that conclusion? Now let's talk about Coach LaFleur and his Packers, Dwayne, that have seen, uh, you know, I don't want to say a similar situation with Aaron Jones, but certainly one that, uh, you know, reminds you of just one running back being held down by a lesser one. That changed a little bit last week. I know Williams, had, Jamal Williams had, I believe it was a quad injury, mm-hmm. but Aaron yep. Jones suddenly getting fed. Yeah, man. And the trend was really before that. So the Williams quad injury definitely played into it. But if you look at the last three weeks, snaps have gone from 66% to 70% to 90%. So the trend was already moving up over the last, over the two games before anyway, because before that, you know, he had been down in the 50% range of the snaps. So it's been encouraging to see that it's like, you know, it's crunch time. At least that's what we're hoping, right? That's the narrative we would tell ourselves. And He's finally leaning into his best player, like you said. So we'll see. And if, if Williams is out, you know, if you go look at the games last year where Williams was out, I mean, Aaron Jones, like, can have you some blow-up games. So if you've got Aaron Jones and you're in your playoff game, you're obviously starting him anyway. But, man, if you get him without Jamal Williams in the game, um, because A.J. Dillon really hasn't done much all year, I don't expect A.J. Dillon to command the snaps that they were given to Jamal Williams because Jamal, Jamal Williams was getting long down in distance. He was getting some of the two-minute work. They're not going to use A.J. Dillon for that stuff, right? They're going to use him to spell – Aaron Jones a few times, you know, maybe they give him every fourth drive right on the ground just to kind of keep, you know, Aaron Jones fresh. So it's going to be a huge week for Aaron Jones. I mean, this is the game, right? For me, for fantasy players, this is your game of the week, right? You got Devontae Adams, you got AJ Brown, you got, um, you know, Derrick Henry, you got Aaron Jones with a potential full workload sitting on his plate. You got Corey Davis, and then you got, you know, Lazard and MVS, you Obviously, right. They're not, they don't compare, right, to Corey Davis. But what I will say is Lazard has passed MVS in the routes. They're still pretty close, but he seems to be trending back to where he was before he got that core injury. But really, the other name to mention, right, is Robert Tanyan. Just catches a touchdown every single week. You know, it's just like money in the bank. So Tanyan is obviously a tight end one the rest of the way. You're going to continue to roll with that. Um, but the big news really is just Aaron Jones, man. Um, the trends are good. And if Williams is out, man, he's going to absolutely eat 83% of the attempts last week. I don't even think Dylan will even be as involved as you were saying if Williams is out. We had the game where Jones was out and they beat the Texans by multiple scores. Dylan had five carries the entire game. Yeah. Last week, you know, I don't, on these Saturday games, didn't have a podcast. So I wasn't, you know, as tuned into them as I normally might be. I see AJ Dylan rip off, you know, an 18 yard run in the second quarter. I was like, oh, wow, you know, his legs look pretty fresh there. Maybe this is finally the, uh, you know, them getting their second round pick actually somewhat involved in the offense. Nope. That was his only touch all game. They just didn't use them afterwards so i wonder what would actually have to happen like i i, I think a blowout, actually i think a blowout scenario would be where they would maybe save jones 
but I think this is going to be a competitive game. So I think that's yeah. just a low probability yeah. that that's really going to happen, you know? So uh, yeah. yeah, I'm with you. I, I look, I could see it being Dylan getting as little as, you know, five to 10 opportunities, you know, the whole game. And I mean, I think if I was them, obviously that's what you're going to have to do in this game against 10. Now, Tennessee can come out, you know, and just not play well, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I just crack up thinking about, let's say, you know, so, somehow Aaron Jones gets hurt, Jamal Williams gets hurt. I think there's a non-zero percent chance that Tyler Irvin would work ahead of A.J. Dillon with those two guys out just for a brief stretch. Doesn't make sense? Absolutely not. But <laughs> nothing about the way the Packers have used Dillon has really made sense ever since they drafted him. Last one, everybody. Thank you, as always, for sticking with us here on the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. We got Bills at the Patriots. Buffalo opened as four and a half. Now we're all the way up to seven people getting less and less enamored by Belichick and company. Game total 44 up to 46 josh allen qb1 all freaking 2020 season multiple scores in all but two games before 2020 josh allen had never thrown for 300 yards in the game this year he has seven that trails only deshaun watson and aaron Rodgers among all quarterbacks absolutely wild when you give a guy who's really his main weakness in 2019 was the ability to throw the ball deep you give him 2019 single most productive deep ball wide receiver stefan diggs all of a sudden things change i think my favorite story that i read a great story on um Stefan Diggs last week, uh, ESPN feature, awesome one. You know, go check it out if you haven't read it, everyone. But they're talking about Diggs and Josh Allen getting to know each other. And Diggs, you know, apparently isn't a big gamer, but uh, Trayvon, his brother, is, and he finds out that Josh Allen's a big gamer. So Stefan buys the headset, starts playing Call of Duty with us uh, with uh, Stefan Diggs. I'm not a big COG guy these days. I used to play it more, but you know, I understand a little bit. And so I guess mid game, you know, you got your team of eight or ten guys. Anytime Stefan Diggs dies, no matter where he is in the course, no matter what. Josh Allen is doing, helping his team out. Josh Allen will leave the battle to go revive his wide receiver one before they had even met. And this was apparently a big turning point in their relationship. And afterwards, as I like to say, you know, the, the rest is history. So Call of Duty bringing together, you know, millennial QB one and wide receiver one during a pandemic. Just a, an amazing 2020 storyline. If you could uh, write it, I absolutely love it. So great article there. And I love what Stefan Diggs and Josh have been doing all season, obviously. So yeah, man, I mean, look, Josh, Diggs, Cole Beasley, even at this point, as long as Smokey Brown remains sideline, you're feeling great about all these guys. This is the Patriots team that now you take away Stefan Gilmore, too. Like, we already know they've been a shell of themselves. And, you know, I mentioned this on last week's podcast. If you just look at EPA per play, at least before last week, the 2020 Patriots were actually slightly better than the 2019 Patriots. Two below average offenses, any way you want to look at it. But the main difference has been their defense has gone from a world beating unit to a, you know, average to above average unit. Hasn't been enough to make up for it. And now, because of that, we're seeing, you know, everyone get behind the bills in this one so i'm with it would not be shocked at all if they managed to cover this one in style Dwayne, man cam newton sonny michelle is there anyone we can trust here no <laughs> do you do you have a specific question because all right, that's gonna here. do it no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> seriously 40 percent target share to jacoby myers but you never know when it's going to be a game where they're actually going to throw the ball obviously they're going to have to in this one you know against buffalo um, unless just for some reason they come out and get a couple of turnovers early. But like you said, you're missing Gilmore. Um, and, and that changes the Patriots defense a lot, right? It's not just about him shadowing because even when you shadow, right, there's so many variations of these coverages and what they can do with the receivers. A lot of this is really like these match concepts. So it's not even true, man. It's like a blend. You know, it's this Nick Saban, Bill Belichick brainchild stuff that there's like a thousand variations of now. So, when I look at this, though, what it does is Gilmore can definitely lock down, you know, whatever area he's in. And so you don't have to give help, 
right? And that allows you to give help in other places. So now basically that takes that away and that just forces the defensive coordinators to try to think different ways to really, you know, devise a game plan to win. Whether that means that, oh, well, now we need to bring more pressure or we can't bring as much pressure because we're worried we're going to get burned. It just makes New England have to change, right? And so I think that's a good thing for Buffalo because, you know, New England did hold Josh Allen down earlier in the year. It was one of his worst games, but I, I fully expect Allen to bounce back in this game. He plays really well against man coverage. So if they decide they want to go ahead and run man without their top cornerback out there, Stefan Diggs can beat everybody they've got. So my guess is they're still going to try to take Diggs away and make Beasley uh, make some, maybe you get John Brown back. He practiced last week. They're going to try to make these other guys beat him. We also have to keep an eye on Stefan Diggs's foot. You know, is there going to be something there? You never hear the one. I want to hear that word foot injury. Like that's the worst thing ever. Um, but as far as New England goes, man, there's really nothing Ian. you know, like I said, uh, Jacoby Myers, 40% of the targets when they get in shootouts, the guy can see, eight to 10 targets. So it makes him, you know, he, he can be in that wide receiver three range, but he also has a floor of a wide receiver five. Yeah. hundred percent. He actually had a decent game last week after that fumble, but yeah, just mm-hmm. nothing resembling a floor. All right, everybody for real this time, that is going to do it. Thank you for Dwayne for making the time as he has done all season long. Make sure you follow Dwayne on Twitter truly. And I'm not just saying this because he is here. One of the better followers you will find out there at Dwayne McFarland context matters. Dwayne, you write the utilization report. I'm assuming if people are in their championships by now, they've heard of it. If not, tell the people what they're missing and where they can find it. Yeah, man, it's a lot of the type of stuff I talk about on here, but I go really deep into the trends, the things we're seeing that are changing. Um, typically, it posts every Wednesday by noon. Sometimes we get it out Tuesday night, just depending on schedules with the holidays and family and different things. I'm going to have to shoot for tomorrow at noon on it, but I've got some really good stuff in there this week around the Rams. I'm going to break down the Niners backfield, you know, in some of the similar weeks where they've had these certain players available. So pretty much if you're looking at running backs this weekend, like it's going to be a, it's going to be really running back heavy and there's some good tight and stuff in there as well. Yeah, make sure, and particularly check out that uh, Rams section with Henderson and Brown that Dwayne alluded to earlier. That's good to hear, everybody. Thank you as always for listening to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Tune in on Thursday. We're going to have an episode with uh, Patrick Daughtery from Roto World that I'm excited about. We'll not be having a Friday edition this week. There is no Thursday game, but we'll have you covered with all that injury information and any of you DFSers out there. Head on over to, DF, to uh, PFF.com for all your information there. He's Dwayne McFarland. I'm Ian Hardis. This has been the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody and go get that week 16 championship.